1: Well, good Friday afternoon, it's uh, 2.05, Jalen Nye and Andrew Gross, the 6.30 CHED Afternoon News. We are about 48 hours since one of the worst mass shootings in U.S. history. It was Wednesday afternoon when a 19-year-old gunman stormed his former high school in Parkland County, Florida, killing 17 people and injuring more than a dozen others.
2: Carmen Central.
0: The senior class president at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School reading out the names of the 17 victims killed in Wednesday's mass shooting in Parkland, Florida. The father of one of the victims delivered a powerful message to more than 1,000 people who showed up at last night's candlelight vigil.
2: I sent her to school yesterday. She was supposed to be safe. Uh, my job is to protect my children. And I said, "Might get to school in the morning." Sometimes things get so crazy, she runs out behind, and she's like, "I gotta I go, to you, Dad, bye." And I don't always get to say, "I love you." I don't remember if I said that to Jamie yesterday morning. Oh, Jay- oh, oh, oh. Jay- Jamie was such a special kid. All of the kids here are. What is unfathomable is Jamie took a bullet and is dead. <laughs> I, I don't know what I do next.
1: Broward County Public School Superintendent Robert Runcie was also at the vigil and uh, he called for common sense gun laws. There's a law in quantum physics that says every
0: action has an equal and opposite reaction. This week, we saw the worst in humanity. Our first guest this afternoon is Larry Lawton. He is an author, motivational speaker, TV personality, honorary police officer. It's a far cry from his days as a career criminal, once known as the biggest jewel robber in the United States.
1: Larry though is also the founder and president of the Reality Check program which works with teens and young adults to educate them about the realities of crime and prison. He also has a close connection to the school where the massacre happened. He lives lives about 10 minutes away from it. Larry, welcome to the show. I wish it was under better circumstances.
3: Uh, same here, David and Andrew. Uh, I totally agree with you. I wish it was in better uh, situation, but, you know, we got to
1: get answers now.
3: And we- that's what I do now uh, with you know, trying to help schools and police agencies uh, and that stuff is what I do.
1: So, Larry, you knew families whose children were at the school. I'm, I'm curious to know, you know, what you've heard from them and how your community is rallying together right now.
3: You know, the, the community always rallying together. Yes, I knew some people. I called them and they told me their daughter was in the school, but she's okay. They're hearing from her on a cell phone and stuff of that nature. So I called a couple of buddies who I know who have kids in that school. And uh, I mean, I golf right at Parkland Country Club myself right there and it's a, it's a very tight-knit community and it's a great community and it just shows you that tragedy can happen anywhere. And uh, you know, how do you rally around violence that, that can be prevented and should be prevented? And you know, you go from the sorrow and the, and the hurt and now you have to get answers. And people often say, when's the right time? It's too close to an incident to <laughs> talk about it. Well, it's not. You have to talk about an incident when it happens. Otherwise, it gets forgotten about.
1: What's a better time you know, to at- talk about it than right now?
3: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. A- and the answers are there. You know, obviously, we know that this, this kid had signed out, out, you know, very disturbing signs for a long time about bad behavior. And now they found out today that the FBI actually was called six weeks ago yeah and the person actually told pretty much what was going to happen and it happened so there's going to be uh, you know some heads rolling but even that go to the issue of why these things are happening so much in america that it, it, it hurts me and as a man who speaks in schools and speaks to police agencies because i was on the opposite side of the law so at one point you know i was the guy that was bad but now kids connect to me We're at a point in America where a lot of kids don't trust the police. And that's why, one, they don't go to the police or authorities, and they do go. And we need to build that trust back up. And there's a couple of ways to do that but I might be getting ahead of myself with uh, where you want to go with this whole time.
0: Yeah, we, you know what, we want to go wherever you want to take us, but since you've mentioned that trust with the police and working with kids the problem when something like this happens is that everybody tries to point their finger at the single cause <laughs> and I would be shocked to learn that there was a single cause for this and whether it was uh, a mental health issue, whether it's not uh, whether or not it's changing gun laws in the United States, whether or not it's drug related, whether or not It's parents being involved with their children. There can't be a single cause but what I have noticed in being a neighbor to the north is that these things happen everybody has the same narrative about it and then nothing changes and no matter how you feel no matter what you think the cause might be if nothing changes it's going to happen again so I mean what do you, as an American uh, living down the street from this school what do you think has to change what what's the call to action
3: well, you know, you said it really right on on point, Andrew. And what, you know, the Albert Einstein said, keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result, is the uh, sign of insanity. And it, it's what's happening. Everybody talks about whether it's gun control, whether it's, like you said, mental health, or and it is a collection of all of it. So how do you attack all of it? You do, you know, there's a legislative side. I, I put together a whole entire narrative how to get this in and even guns weren't in it because i know everybody jumps on the gun issue and i'm also not for automatic weapons or anything of that nature uh, myself but i think teen connections inside information which is what's going on in a school but when people know if you attack a, a, a terrorist incident most terrorists uh, are foiled by getting inside information in intel they call it our school resource officers i don't know if canada has yeah we do uh, we do you have school resource officers. Yep. Yep. they need to be trained in a different way to be more connection minded instead of just being there as a presence being there and as a presence is one thing but being there to be uh, part of a co- uh, information collection a mentor uh, a person people can go to not that guy that looks down hey he's the gun he's going to come get me he's, if I say this kid's got pot, I'm going to have my friend arrested instead of trying to get my friend help. Mm-hmm. We need community part participation, which is the PTAs. In America, they have parent-teachers associations, and they should be the most powerful organization in a school because they are directly involved with the kids every day, at night, even off campus, obviously, because it's their kids, So they hear what's really going on, and whether it's at events and stuff that they put on that they can get back to the school with and then in, in the united states our legislators you know i'm sick and tired of them They come up to the microphones and talk about the same thing and nothing gets done and and you know i think america is sick of it and i hate to say this seems like it's going to be another situation where everybody mourns every it hit home here because i'm so close to but I, I get the feeling how all communities are now because, you know, after, after the vigils, after the stuff, and after now they talked about they're going to take down that wing of the school because a lot of the freshmen won't go into that wing of the school. They're talking about that already. And they're going to take down that wing. After all that's done, what has changed? Are they going to put the right resources towards communications, inside information, maybe an undercover person sometimes, in and out of different schools, are they going to give money to PTAs and YMCAs and boys and girls clubs, and finally, are they going to change the laws that make either getting the money or uh, getting the uh, gun laws changed that, you know, an incident wouldn't be stopped if somebody wants to do something crazy, but maybe if he didn't have an automatic weapon or a weapon that can fire this many rounds, 30 round clips and change them out, maybe just maybe you can save a few people and even though the incident uh, probably wouldn't have been stopped from the
1: mental end end of it. Larry, you don't sound optimistic that that's going to happen.
3: Well, I've seen it enough. You know, I speak all around the United States and uh, and other countries and other countries, Canada included, are so have less violence than America and there has to be something to that. And I, I believe it's the guns and the gun violence. But how do you change that? You can't just go out and take all the guns out of everybody's house either. So they're out there already. I mean, it's been there for, you know, uh, hundreds of years in America right now with the gun issue. So I don't think uh, it's going to change in that, ad I'm hoping as a few politicians who I did speak to already who asked me, Larry, we need to get guys like you in here who come up with the different answers. Think outside the box, not put up another barrier, put up another gate, put up another uh, metal detector. I mean, everything is part of an answer. Like Andrew said, it's not one thing, Mm -hmm. but it it has to be a collection of all. But my optimism is really hurt because I've seen it happen so much. This is the 18th shooting in 2018 in the United States school. 18th. We're two months into the year.
1: Larry, I I heard you, um, you know, talking with um, one of our colleagues uh, out of Vancouver the other day, Linda Steele, there were some callers into the show uh, talking about arming the teachers, arming school resource officers, and I'm hearing more and more calls of that today in different newspaper articles and teachers saying, hey, no, 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 that's not what we signed up for. Is that an option, a, a, a feasible option in your mind?
3: Absolutely not. That that's crazy. Uh, first of all in the United States the resource officers are on. The cops are armed. It's not like they're not armed. Says so, secondly, no. Can you imagine if there's a crazy situation going on and, and the, not people with the lack of training and uh, use of firearms are panicking and they're not used to a situation like this and, who gets shot, who gets mistakenly shot, who's held accountable. It it would be crazy to be... It it would be the Wild West times 10. (laughs) You know, and and I just think people who think, you know, oh, the old adage is how do you stop a bad guy with a gun have more good guys with guns? Well, that's not really the case. You need, obviously, better intel, less guns, period. And I think they could do things better with the gun laws. Uh, But, and that could be to mental illness. Right now, United States, this young man was qualified to buy a, uh, an AR-15 at 19 years old. So, I mean, all of the things, there are little things that can change to help it, but I don't think arming anybody in schools would, it would be good, period.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, since there isn't a single cause, there's probably not a single solution. And and you look at it all, and I know the story you referred to just a moment ago, that the FBI were notified of a potential threat with regard to this particular individual. And they've admitted, uh, they've come forth today saying that, yeah, we dropped the ball on that one. But certainly, they the FBI did not cause him to purchase a gun they did not cause him to go into that school and open fire on innocent students and, and faculty mm-hmm. so you start to expand your thinking to okay wait a second we we've been trained as parents to keep an eye on our children to look for behavior that changes to they're moody uh, they've changed their friend group they're um, they're spending a lot of time online they're i mean do you think and, and I don't want to point the finger at any one person and say they're the problem, like I said, but do you think parents have to share some amount of responsibility here for keeping an eye on their children?
3: Well, you know, I always say this, and what you do, all the things you just said, I actually talk about uh, on the road when I do parenting programs, like you said, looking out for are they wearing different clothes, are they acting different, maybe different hand signals, doing something, you know, speaking differently. But, yes... I think it still takes a village to raise a child and i think it it comes to everybody has to have some kind of response i think if you're a neighbor and you see some crazy behavior in america they had a a family that had 13 children that were chained up and and Mm -hmm. you want to talk about you know thinking how does this go on how does it the people around that neighborhood know what's going on or at least try to get involved is everybody going into their own cocoons and just living their own little bubbles, instead of being more community-minded. I'm a very big believer in community policing and community-minded people. And I think until you get back to that concept, you're gonna get, it's gonna get worse and worse, not better. When you got a community that can work within each other, and that goes for the police. You know, in America, they've got a very us-against-them mentality, with the police against certain sections of community. Mm -hmm. And that does absolutely no good to anybody from the community to the uh uh police because i tell communities when they say i hate the police i says if your house is robbed you call 411 <laughs> or 911 <9-1-1. laughs> <all> <laughs> so my point to them is we do need police but we do need good police we don't need police to come to your house and when you're looking to help your son or daughter because he's you know, acting out, maybe trying drugs, and then they arrest him for drugs instead of getting him the help he needs, they try to give him a record in the United States. So I think there has to be a lot of uh, more community-minded leadership. You know, in the United States, and I'm sure in Canada, in law enforcement, the change comes from the top down. What the leadership does is what the rank-and-file will do. They're out there to please the community. I'm the only ex-con in the United States who's an honorary police officer. And when I was given that award, I actually vetted the police department because I have such a good reputation with communities. I watched how the community, the police chief there, doesn't give out awards for the most DUIs or the most arrests. He gives out awards for the people who speak at the most churches. If they change plaques, if they are little league coaches, he gives out awards for positive things, so he has his rank and file looking to do positive things, not make arrests, because he goes, Larry, if I give him awards for most DUIs, they're gonna have bad DUIs. Yeah. The leadership. Hey, hey, Don't Larry. To change that.
1: Yeah. We're, we're running out of time here, but I did want to circle around to something that you talked to off the top when we started talking about uh, building better relationships between uh, our young people and people in uh, roles of authority, whether it's you know teachers, whether it's a school resource officer, whether it's the police officers. And I know that you have said uh, in the past that the way that we talk and interact with our kids can save them or put them over the edge. How do how do we start making um, uh, strides? in developing that relationship between our young people and people in authority?
3: Uh, great question. And, and let me and I'll even answer it quickly. How People ask me all the time, Larry, how do you know so much about what's going on in school with drugs and stuff? I think because the kids tell me. Because if you talk to the kids the right way, and you bring your... See, how I work my reality check program is I bring my program down to their level and then bring them up. So you're not talking down and you're not looking down I tell people like you and I don't know your age is there but I could tell you this, you give a cell phone to any 15, 16 year old and they'll program that cell phone quicker than you or I could (laughs) doing it differently and you and I might look at a direction and do something, the kid takes it, reboots it, does something else, retries it, does it and gives it back to you it just shows they've learned differently you know we need to take and use the smarts they have to, to educate ourselves. It's not always our way or the highway. The only thing we have over young people is experience, and we are not giving it to them in a lot of ways uh, in our leadership.
1: Larry, uh, thank you so much for joining us this this afternoon. If people want to find out more about you and uh, the program you run, where can they do that?
3: Sure, you can just Google Reality Check Program, or even just my name, Larry Lawton. And it'll it'll pop up, and there's so much information out there uh, for people, and we and we have so much coming out because we've been asked to do so much more with videos and stuff like that for families. And thanks for having me. And I think this subject needs to be addressed more and more.
1: Larry, so I think we. you're right. Thank thanks you thanks so again much. for your time, Larry. Take care now.
3: Thank you. Have a great. Day. Stay safe.
1: You too.
0: The 6:30 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross weekdays at two on 6:30 Chad.